morning. The first thing you'll notice is I'm not Southern. I, I am from Yankee blood. I'm sure you'll be able to tell that pretty quick. So, um, but uh, I, I really appreciate Brother Doug letting me come and preach. And uh, it's always been a blessing to get up and speak. Um, a little bit about ourselves. Where is my beautiful wife? She told me to say that. Oh, there she is. There's my wife. And where's my son? Oh, there he is. Uh, we have four kids, and there's my daughter. We have four kids. One's married, and one is in college, and the two are here. Um, just really quick about me and my wife. We, um, I'm from Florida, and uh, we met in Florida back when I was in Bible school, and um, got married. I ended up coming to Texas because uh, her father was working in a church at the time, and they wanted some help, so we came down. And so um, got to be you know, the youth pastor, and then I went into, we started a Bible Institute there, and I ended up being a teacher and running the Bible Institute for a few years. And then the joke is, is that I felt, I thought the Lord told me to go north, that was the joke. My wife said, no, he said, get a horse, north horse, I guess it's the Yankee in me, I don't, so we went to Connecticut for about seven years, and I went to seminary up there, and uh, mainly to teach is what I wanted to, but I had to go back to school up there under them, and so I did that. We did that for seven years, and then we moved back down to Texas because she's like, I'm going to leave you if we don't get out of this godforsaken place, so I'm like, okay, we'll go back. So we came back to Texas um, thinking that uh, life would be better, but, but that's when everything really went, to, uh, went south, and that's in a bad way. And um, things that we never thought would happen, happened, and, and that's kind of where the sermon comes from. Because <clears throat> I don't have the testimony of Brother Doug, and my wife will tell you the same. I said, I'm going to cry, man, I said, I'm going to cry. But I, I quit on God. I said, you can have this. If this is Christianity, you can have it. I quit. And I did. I just went through the motions. Now I think as Christians, we, we, we have bitterness. You know, and we don't even realize it. And we just plug along. And we just do. And we don't even realize that, that the root of bitterness is inside us. And, uh, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. The root of bitterness. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, this is just kind of a jumping off passage. Paul's talking to the Christians there, and he kind of makes the, uh, he's talking mainly about um, um, God's correction in their life. But this passage, he says in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail by the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness, he says, spring up and trouble you, and then defile you. See, and I think of some great words that Paul uses there because, see, bitterness is it is like a root. It's hidden. It can't be seen. It's underground. You don't even know it's there, and it's there. And it's growing, and it's getting stronger, and you really don't realize it until, like it says, until it springs up, and all of a sudden you've got this, this plant of bitterness in your life, and you don't realize that it has, it has webbed its way, and it's rooted its way in all areas of your heart. And then it's so hard to 
overcome that. We'll see that here. So that's kind of what I want to talk to you about. Now, the passage we're really going to deal with is in Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, 49, yeah, through 52, and there's a lot of scripture I'm going to be reading because I think you have to see how the story goes to really understand what is happening, okay? So follow along if you can, just read that and we'll try to, to hopefully bring this all together. But look what it says here. Now, this is actually the end of um, whenever uh, Jesus fed the 5,000 and uh, Brother Joe, right, preached about that. Remember that? And this is the time when Peter walked on the water. But here at the end here, look what it says here in Mark chapter 6. It says, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and they cried out. That means they, they shrieked in terror. For they all saw him were troubled. Immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and, they, and the wind ceased. And look what it says here. And they were sore, amazed in themselves, beyond measure, and wondered. As the idea that, man, they just, it just blew their mind beyond comprehension. They could not believe what they just saw. But look what it says here. It says, look, in verse 52, it says, For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Now, can you imagine that that miracle they saw about feeding the 5,000, it did nothing to them? What they saw God do, and Jesus make something out of nothing. He did creation. He, he did like God in Genesis 1-1. He created substance out of nothing. I mean, that's the greatest miracle there could do. Greater than walking on water. But they missed that. Because the Bible says their hearts were hardened. Now I thought about that. I thought, well, what in the world happened to them to get them so bitter at Jesus that they didn't see the greatest miracle? It's one of the only miracles that occurs in all four Gospels. Feeding of the 5,000. So what happened? Well, that's where we're kind of going to have to um, step back. All right? And go back at the beginning of the chapter in verse 30 and kind of lead up to see what happened to them. Now, in verse 30, just beginning here, it says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus. Now, Jesus just sent them out. And they went by foot all around the area, preaching the gospel and doing all these great things for the Lord. And it says, They gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves. And he said, Hey, you twelve. Come, just ye yourselves, come apart into a desert place and rest a while. You need to rest. I, I like it that God sees that people need to rest. You need a vacation. Preachers, people, everybody, you need a vacation. He says, come a while and rest. And for there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Now you have to understand how the Jewish protocol is, how their kind of how their social life is, and that is like Mary and Martha. How, we see that as that you know if you're if you're with the Lord or you're you're like the host, you don't you serve and you do and you don't get to sit around and do nothing. So as Jesus is ministering, they're they're you know moving people here. Okay, uh, Jesus, this guy's next. All right, next, next, come on, you got to talk to Jesus. You know, and they're like the go betweens. They're working and they have no time for themselves. And Jesus recognized that. And they didn't even have time to eat. You know, they can't grab a Big Mac, you know, and, you know, take a bite, you know, out of that sucker. And, mm, come on, come on. You know, they don't sit at their, you know, desk or whatever on their scroll and, you know, eat a couple fries. They can't, they don't do that. That's not their culture. 
If they're there to, as the host and they're there with the Lord as the master, they're there working. They don't have time to sit and do nothing. And Jesus says, hey, look, you guys, listen, you have no time to rest. You have no time to eat. And Jesus recognized that. And he said, hey, look, let's go. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. So the Lord thinks about their need and then he says, hey, let's get in the ship. Now, the, I think the beginning of, of all the troubles starts over here in, in the next verse, verse chapter, uh, chapter 6, 33, the first thing, when, when Christ put others first. When Christ, Christ puts others first. Now, so here they are, they come with the Lord, and he, they finally get across the Sea of Galilee unto the other side, and look what it says. It says, and the people saw them departing, and they, they knew him, and they ran afoot out of the, all the cities and outwent them. They outran the boats and they came together unto him. And when Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people. He gets out of the boat and he sees all these people there and he was moved with compassion towards them because they were a sheep having out a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. Now you can imagine, I just how I think. Now, the, you know, the guys are getting off the boat and Jesus gets up and begins to, oh, hey, fellas, look, we, we, we got to mentor these people. And they're like, what? Well, What? What do you mean they got? What about me, Lord? What about my needs? I mean, Lord, we came over here so I could rest and eat. Now you're putting me on the back burner? Now I got to come second? You ever felt like that? You ever felt like the Lord was putting you second? You ever felt like the Lord was answering everybody else's prayers, but your prayers weren't getting answered? You know, that person, they got the new job and they got the new car. And they got the new dishwasher. Or they had this. And wow, someone paid for our vacation. You know, Lord, I hadn't had a vacation in years. What, what, how come, Lord, you're meeting their needs? What about my needs? How come, Lord, you're putting them first before me? Well, you know they were feeling that. I believe that was the beginning of that bitterness in their heart. You know, everybody says, you know, joy is Jesus first and others than yourself. Uh, it's easy to say until it's you, right? And it's easy to say, Jesus first, then others, yeah. It, you know, and I'm going to tell myself, you know, back when I had this missionary come in, um, and it was a friend of ours, and, and, uh, and I had all my books and all that stuff, and I, I got me a brand new book. I got me um, a brand new um, whatever, you know how we preachers are, right? We can get these books we don't even use. My wife tells me all the time. I got this book, you know, and it was nice and brand new. And the Lord says, now, you know what? You've got two books. You need to give that missionary one of them books. Guess which one I gave him? The old one. I sure did. Glued a couple pages back for him. Here you go, brother. See, I gave him the old one. You know, so it's easy, you know, I think, well, I give, yeah, but how about when you give what you need? How about when, when you do without so someone else can have? How about when the Lord does that to you? That's, I believe, when bitterness begins to sink in. Now, how about this? How about when the Lord gives to people who you don't, you don't think deserves that? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I wrestled, I mean, there was a time when we went through some things, and it was about three years of, of wrestling that, um, and we're just now coming out on the other side, three years, three years of a valley that I, I would never wish on anybody, and uh, 
My lawnmower broke down. Not, not today. I mean, a while ago, my lawnmower broke down. So I had to, and again, I'm from the north. I, that little thing, it was like, is it, what do you guys call it? Is that a weed, weed eater? Okay, weed eater. I, I know. So a weed eater. So I, I had to get the weed eater with an extension cord because it wasn't gas. And I had to weed my yard. And the guy across the street is over there driving his brand new lawnmower. And he doesn't go to church. He's not a Christian. And he's just waving at me. (laughs) Well, if I could shoot a rock in your window, buddy, your house, I'd do it. But I'm sitting there thinking, well, thanks, Lord. You know, thanks a lot. Appreciate that. My lawnmower broke down. And, and, and by the way, that lawnmower I got for $20, and it's got pieces of metal making it make the engine stay onto the thing and, and stuff like that. And, you know, a couple, four or five, you know, the wheels are like from different lawnmowers. You know, it looks like Franken lawnmower. And it's, you know, and, uh, and I'm like, thanks, Lord. Appreciate that. You know, if all I want is a lawnmower to work. That's all I want. I mean, you can't even give me a lawnmower. I didn't ask for a new lawnmower. I didn't ask for something, to, you know, for somebody. To get. I just want the old one to work. Why can't you even just let that have? What, what is it with the Lord? Why? Why are you going to do this to me? You ever been there? Nah, that's where they were. That's where they were. I mean, they came there for them. Jesus said, you guys are working hard and you need some rest. And when it came down to it, the Lord said, well, no, no, you guys got to wait. Someone else is going to come first. And they're like, man. Not only did Jesus put others first, but he also, look at what he said, he, he, he uh, commanded them to give of their need. Now the passage here says, And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, which means barren. It doesn't mean it's, it's sand. It means it's, it's, there's really nobody around. And it says, Now the time is far spent, uh, past. Send them away, so the disciples saying, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he, Jesus, answered and said to them, Give ye, it it give you to eat. You give them to eat. Now the way the wording is, is it's the idea that says, Give ye them to eat. He's like pointing his finger in their face and saying, You give them something to eat. You. You give it. You give them something to eat. They understood it was a command. It was Jesus saying, you, you know, we're going to see, he's going to say, find out what you got. You give them your food. We came here for you to eat. I mean, we came here to rest and to eat. You give them something to eat. And because look at their, they knew what he said. Look what they said. And they said unto him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth worth of bread and give them to eat? And he said, he said to them, how many loaves have you? How much, how much food did you bring? I go and see. And it says, when they knew, they said five and two fishes. Now, there's a lot of different debates, and I'm not going to give them all that stuff, because they, they went and got the food from a boy. In John, it says, they went and got the food from a boy. Now, whether or not that boy would accompany them like other people did, because we know Mary and Martha and all of them, a lot of different people ministered to them. You know, the 12 did what they did, but there's people that ministered around and did things for them. Now, whether or not that boy was part of them, maybe it's John Mark for all we know, because he was a boy at that time. Uh, we don't know who exactly it was, but they sure didn't go bully him for his lunch money. They didn't go and say, hey, kid, give me your fish. Come on, you know, they didn't do that. They either paid him for it, 
or, or they, he was part of their group, and they found, hey, where's that kid that had the food? Hey, where's that kid that had that food for us? Come here, come here to eat and rest. Remember that? Where's that kid that had the food? Now, I think it'd be funny if, I mean, just my mind, how I think, if they're going like, I ain't going to give them my food. They hear the Lord wants us to give them our food. Hey, wasn't there some kid walking around with some bread and some fish? Let's go get it from him. <laughs> hey, kid, I'll buy that bread and fish from you. Here's two pennies. All right, appreciate that. Come back, Lord. Hey, Lord, uh, here's some bread and fish. We don't know exactly how it went down, but what, it, what it's saying there is Jesus says, hey, you give them of your need. You find out. Give them, you give them something to eat. Now, that sacrifice for the Lord, you know, th- that's hard. When the Lord wants you to give to others for the other's need of others, you sacrifice, you give up. Lord, ever ask that from you? To give what you needed for somebody else? That's hard. And that bitterness kind of crept in a little bit more. And they're like, man, Lord. But then next, um, Jesus tells them this. He tells them to serve while others are satisfied. In the next passage it says, And he commanded them all to sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he, took up, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to sit before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they d- did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of fishes. And they did eat of the loaves. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. Now, in the other Gospels, it tells us, it says uh, 5,000 men besides women and children. So it's thought that around um, 15,000 people were fed. Maybe some say up to 20,000 people. Can you imagine 12 people feeding 15,000 people by hand? 15,000, maybe 20. Now, I, I just, wait. I bought two baskets from the house. One, the cat sleeps in, so there might be some hair on that. I apologize for that. <laughs> but can you imagine the Lord saying, hey, and they come and, they, and the Lord breaks it and he, and he, and he gets, throws a couple of fish in there for him. He's like, you, I mean, a couple of bread, actually. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, Lord, right? This is a joke. Where's the camera? Where's the camera? Where am I, Lord? You got me. You're getting me now. I know. What? Pass this out? You know, if, if they only had 15,000 people, that's about 1,200 people per disciple they had to feed. All right, Lord. Oh, brother, I can't believe this. Here you go. Here you go. What, they can have all they want? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh, you want another one? Come on. I got all these people to go wrong with you, man. Good night. Good night. All right, here you go. Come on, little kid. Don't drop it. No, here's another one. Here's another one. Can you imagine? Lord going around, going around, feeding. There's nothing in the basket. Don't do uh, It's just an example. You feed anybody and find. Come back. Oh, my back is killing me. 
Oh, my word. Now, the, you know, the Bible kind of gives us the idea that they fed sometime maybe around noon because he says they need to, they need to go. That's when, they, that's when they, you know, the sun got too hot and uh, they needed to kind of like the, the Spanish do. You know, they go and they kind of have their siesta, the shade, eat, and that's coming come the time. And so they're like, um, man, I'm out there slaving out here. This place is dying. Lord, carrying a heavy basket. And uh, now, the, now the Gospels indicate this is what happened. The Lord said, all right, now that's the bread here. Fish? Oh, you got to pass out the fish now? Oh, you're All right, all right, I'll get the fish, Lord. Here, but Okay, here we go again. I know you want three. <laughs> you know, I remember you, and here we go. And All right, take it, buddy. I'm not walking back there. Good night alive and passing the sucker out, and then they come and, oh, my word. Good night. This is two thousand. like three thousand people now. I fed twice. Oh man, I can't wait to what? What's that, Lord? Go pick up the fragments. Here, <laughs> you're kidding me, right? Go pick up all the fragments. Oh my Lord, I I need a, a ba- basket for it. No one mixes their bread and their fish. Gotcha, gotcha. So. I gotta go back around. Well, give. I know you got a bunch left, because yeah, there we go. And then, can you imagine they do all this again? They come back up, and they're like, "Man, you know how many hours it took for them to do all that in the heat of the day?" And people there are just mm, smacking on that nice buttery bread and fish. And they're serving. And the whole reason they came there was so they could eat. So they could sit on the grass in their leisure. But Jesus said, no, you serve. You come up early and get ready for church. You go ahead and have that meeting at your house. You go ahead and have that group. You go ahead and and you serve. You serve. You serve. You know, there's some of us that got a little disgruntled because that thing that all that thing we had a couple weeks ago. What was it called? No, it was the week before that when we had all the different ministries. Yeah, ministry fair. And people were discouraged. You know why? Because man, they did all this work and they had all these ideas. Man, they had some excitement, and then nobody signed their thing. And they're thinking, man, Lord, why do I have to serve? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to give all the time? And, and people can just come in here and sit and go. Now, preachers, we, it, it's, it's hard. You know, back whenever I was first in Bible school, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, I, 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 I know Brother Doug's a human being, right? You don't go to heaven in a chariot after Sunday, right? He stays on earth just like we do. He's a human. And... Um, but you know what? I got burnt by preachers, and, and that's one thing. I got burnt by preachers from the very beginning. I remember when going to, before I even got married, you know, in Bible Institute, and I'm all gung-ho, winning souls, and coming to church visitation, a big old huge church, all these preacher boys, and all this stuff. And man, we got, you know, a church of 500 people. I mean, and, and half of those people are all in ministry and all that stuff. And it comes to church visitation, and there is 10 of us there. And the pastor is not even there. Him and his preacher boy buddies are out playing hockey over in the gym. 
And, there, and now I'm there with ten people we're going to visitation. I thought to myself, something is wrong here. Why do I have to serve, Lord? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to go next door to my neighbor and invite him to church? Lord, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to talk to that guy I work with? You know, and, and, and that lady that works across the aisle from me, why do I have to go and invite her and do that, Lord? Why can't I just sit and do nothing? You know? And you know, the disciples, they just got tired of serving. And they got a little bit more bitter. You know, the last thing that happened was Christ sent them into a storm. It says there, and straightway, that means immediately, He constrained them in Mark chapter 6. Constrain has the idea of to, um, to convince, to compel. It's the same word it's used when the Bible says that Paul constrained uh, Christians to blaspheme God back when he was known as Saul. And he sure didn't say, now, do you want to blaspheme the Lord? That's not what he did. And Jesus constrained them. Jesus says, now, you guys need to get in a boat and go across. Now, here they, you know, here they are. Now, the, and the Bible says they did have 12 baskets. So they got these. It's like, finally, man, something to eat. And like, what, Lord, go get in the ship and go across the other side. Lord, what are you talking? We haven't even eaten yet, Lord. It is now going on 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We've missed lunch. We've been working all day. And we've got these 12 baskets full of food and fish. It's going to go bad. The fish is going to go bad, Lord. And you want me to go and get in the boat and go on the other side? I think he lost his marbles. Now, you know what the interesting thing about this? This is the Sea of Galilee. And some of those fellows, that's what they did for their living as fishermen. Now, Peter's a little more spoken, right? Outspoken? I can imagine Peter saying, Lord, look, I'm, I'm not trying to tell you, Lord, but see that big gray thing out there? That's called a storm. And it's moving in. You see? It's coming this way, Lord. And in a few hours, Lord, that sea out there is going to be a mess. And the Bible says the Lord constrained him. Now, look, you guys need to get in the boat and you need to go. Lord, you, are you kidding me? constrain, compel. You guys need to get in the boat and go across. But Lord, come on, there's a storm coming. We're going to get caught in that thing. The Lord says, listen, trust me, fellas. Get in the boat and go to the other side. You've got to be kidding me. He's got to be kidding me. You're going to, he's going to send it, you're going to send us in the storm, Lord. Trust me, fellas, trust me. All right. All right, fine. It says He compelled them, He constrained them to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while He sent the people away. And when He had set them away, He departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, so even is 6 o'clock. So that means a couple hours there, whatever, He sent them away before even came, which is 6 o'clock in Jewish time. It says, and when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone the land, and he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night. Now that means the, the, the night from 6 
p.m. to 6 a.m. is broken up into four watches, three hours each. So on the fourth watch, that is the last three hours, that is 3 a.m. to 6, p, 6 a.m. So they've been out on that, on that sea for somewhere between 9 to 12 hours rowing that boat. Says he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Now, has the Lord ever sent you into a storm? You know, it's one thing when we create our own storms. You know, it's one thing. Um, you know, I have to. I have to talk. To, I'm a. I'm a safe prisons coordinator for the prison. That's my job. And and I'd say jokingly, you know, I had to explain to them what is extortion and what is not extortion. I tell them betting on the cowboys and when they lose and now you're in trouble and you want protection. That is not extortion. That's just you making a bad decision to bet on the cowboys. Okay, that's what I tell them. All right. So. Making a bad decision and putting yourself in the midst of a storm, that, that's, that's you. That's me. That's just making a bad decision. I'm talking when the Lord puts you in a storm that you didn't want to be a part of. You didn't want to be in this. I mean, you, you weren't asking for this. And then the Lord sends you into a storm. And you know what? It's just, it, it gets, you know, they don't understand this because they were out there, but we understand it. The Bible says that Jesus saw them at even. That means Jesus saw them around 6, 7 o'clock at night. And he waits until 3 a.m. to go walking out there. You know, and I guess that's the thing. When, when you know the Lord sees you in the midst of the storm, and he, he's like, Lord, you're like, Lord, you see me drowning out here? You see the waves out here? You see me sinking? Lord, where are you? You said, trust you. Well, where are you now? You know, and, and I tell you what, I, I was crying over there because that song is saying, it says, that, oh, how he loves you. And you know what? But sometimes amidst that storm, you don't think God loves you. Right? You don't think God loves you. I'll tell you what, I did not think God loves me. And I didn't love him. I didn't. I was bitter. I was mad. I was angry. Because I was like, how can you put me through? You say you love me, but how can you put me in a storm? A storm I didn't ask for. A storm I didn't want. But you told me to go, and you pushed me in that boat. That'll make you bitter. And you know what? By that time, it had come full cycle on them, and those guys, were their hearts were hardened. They're in there rowing that boat. You know, and I like how the pastor says that Jesus would have passed by. The idea, I think, the idea is that they're just so like consumed and they're like, man, I can't believe it. Here we are, man, rowing and rowing and rowing. And we told him the storm was coming. And Jesus is about walking right by him. But they're not even looking. They're just like, oh, man. Just, and then someone sees and then that's when they all look. But they're just so consumed in themselves and so bitter and so angry. And you know what? So mad at God. He almost walked by. And that's how they got how they got. And that's how they got where that miracle didn't mean nothing to them because, man, they were so embittered at Jesus. Because they were the disciples, man. They, they gave up their homes and their work and in some ways their families to go follow Him. And they, He did this to them. 
Now, there's consequences. There's consequences for bitterness. That is, quickly, they could not see the blessings of God, right? They, you know what? They didn't have much food, but they each had, you know what? How many baskets did they have after they're all done? Twelve. They each had a basket. I'm sure it's bigger than this. I mean, they probably came with just a little bit if they did. Sometimes they said, Bible says they even forgot to bring food. And yet, now they're talking about they're hungry, but they had a whole basket full for themselves. They missed the blessing of God. They missed the miracles of God. They missed, the, you know, like I said, the greatest miracle there ever was. This showed that Jesus was God Almighty. Created something out of nothing. And then they, they lose, uh, they, 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 they couldn't see the hand of God. But God was in this. Because you know what? If all these circumstances hadn't happened and, and in that storm, do you know Peter would not have been able, had not been there to walk on the water. That's when Peter walked on the water. Even in spite of his bitterness, he walked on the water. You see that? We don't see the hand in God in the storm, that God can use that storm for some great things. We don't see that. And you miss that because we're bitter. Now the last thing here is that um, it's hard to overcome. Bitterness is hard to uproot. How does this go? The disciples leave there, go travel 40, mile, 40 miles to Tyree. They come back to the lake. And during that time, they feed another 4,000, which probably runs about 10,000 people. And then in Mark chapter 8, it says this, he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the living, the Pharisees and living, the Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, is it because we have no bread? And Jesus knew it and said unto them, why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened again? Are you still got that bitterness in you that you still don't see what we've done? I've fed another multitude. We've been all this place. It's been now maybe a couple, three or four weeks or so. And all these miracles and they still that bitterness was in them. In Mark chapter 8. Bitterness is hard to uproot. I'll be honest with you. I'm still struggling with getting that bitterness out. Uh, and trust in the Lord. Going to get back to trust in God again. I'm having to learn all over again. So, you know, it may be the Lord is putting you through a storm. Maybe the Lord is taking what you need. Maybe the Lord is making you sacrifice or serve. And, and you're starting to get a little bitter at Him. You know what? You need to deal with that bitterness. You need to deal with that bitterness before it becomes full-fledged and a, a tree in your life that is it's hard to uproot, have lasting effects. You know, maybe you're not even saved. Maybe you even trust the Lord and, and you don't even know, understand this idea. But I think for me, the only thing that, that helped me is that, you know what, the Lord became a man and he, as a, he was a teenager he had parents, believe it or not, who were wrong. You know how you think you're right and the parents are wrong? They actually were wrong. He was God. He was right. But yet the Bible says he submitted himself to his parents as a teenager, as a kid, and obeyed their rules. Jesus did that for you, teenager. And he grew up as a man. He had to work and he had to get up every morning and go and do his job. And he, and he got tired and he sweat and he was hungry and he did all those things. He did all that 
And he also died on the cross for us too, for our sins. But see, he lived the life of a man and he was humiliated and he was shamed and he was put naked on that cross for us so that he can say, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to go through a storm. I know what it's like for, for things that God had forsaken you because I felt the same thing. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? I know how you feel. And that's the one thing that got me through it. Jesus knows how I feel. He just didn't send me in a storm by myself. He went through a storm himself. So he could say, Casey, I know what you're going through, bud. I've been there. I've been there. We're going to play a song. The Lord's spoke to your heart. And you want to come down here and talk to the Lord. This altar is open. Come down here and pray. Ask God to give you strength. Maybe somebody else you know is struggling with this. Come down and pray for them. However God leads you, come on down and pray. Thank you, Casey. Appreciate that word today. I think that uh, you were fed from God's word. And you were fed from a different mouthpiece than, than what you normally uh, hear these last three weeks. Um, each of these men spoke their heart from God, and, and, and I received a blessing, and I think that most of you all did as well.